0: Thank you, New York! Today, we're reminded of the power of community and the power of coming together. Athletes, on your mark! The first woman to finish for the second straight year here in the New York City Marathon is Mickey Gorman, a smiling Mickey Gorman, and why not? 2.29.30,
1: The time for Greta bikes. Look at the emotion of Shalane Flanagan as she comes to the line, pointing to his chest! the USA. He so proudly wears across his chest. A great day for Mel Hey, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of New York Roadrunners Set the Pace, the official podcast of New York Roadrunners. I'm your host and the CEO of New York Roadrunners, Rob Simmelker. This is a big week for the running industry. As many of you know, all eyes are on Orlando Saturday for the U.S. Olympic marathon trials, but what many of you may not know is that it's also the week of a big conference in our sport, Running USA, which is really the premier conference in the running industry. So we thought it would make sense to put together a special episode as we get ready to head to Running USA. And today we're going to talk about one of the biggest shifts in our industry over recent years that's the inclusion of official non binary divisions. New York Roadrunners has been an incredible leader in this space, taking a role. In creating a non-binary category, going back some years now, in recent weeks, a spotlight has been placed on our non-binary division and our policies. And some questions have been raised about some of the decisions that we've made as an organization and how it affects participants in our non-binary field. So we're going to put together a conversation today that I think will help shed a little light on this really complicated effort and the role that New York Roadrunners has played in it for the last couple of years at New York Roadrunners, these efforts began years ago before I joined, and so to give us some historical and industry context, we've got a colleague of mine, the New York Roadrunners senior vice president of strategic partnerships and runner products, Christine Burke, and a longtime partner of New York Roadrunners who's really been hugely helpful to us in putting these policies together, Lauren Lube and April who has a long and impactful history of advocating for non-binary equity and inclusion for athletes across sports with their consulting company, April House Inc., that specializes in building innovative and integrative, sustainable systems beyond the binary. So, Christine and Lauren, thank you both so much for being on Set the Pace.
0: Thanks so much for having us, Rob. Yes, thank you, Rob. And thank you, Christine.
1: All right. So, Christine, I'm going to start with you. And you know, I, I've just come onto this recently myself. I joined the organization just over a year ago, so I'm still learning. As you know, about the history of New York Roadrunners in the non-binary space. Can you start by just talking a bit about the background of this? When did we, as an organization, really start to think about this and introduce the non-binary division?
2: Yeah, so it's a great question, and it, it actually has been. Quite a number of years. Um, it feels like a long time ago, but the non-binary initiative was started at New York Road Runners back in late 2017. Um, the organization felt like it was something we should begin to explore. Um, an initiative started as an open identification policy to promote inclusivity, um, allowing our runners to participate in our races, our programs, and all of our offerings in the gender category um, that was part of their core identity. Um, While we recognize at the same time, we needed to adhere to the regulations that are set forth by the governing bodies of our sport of running, um, namely world athletics and USA track and field. Um, So the initiative really got underway in earnest in 2018 and 2019. Um, but unfortunately, it was put on hold in 2020 due to COVID, as, as much of the world was. Um, but when we emerged from COVID in, in January of 2021, um, the initiative became active again. And it was largely driven by uh, one of our clubs who we partner with on a race every year, uh, Frontrunners New York. And they requested that the non-binary category be created and become available for the 2021 frontrunners new york pride run uh, to be held in june of that year so the organization new york Runners, galvanized behind that and working on all elements of of the initiative to make that happen and that's when it was first launched um we also had prize money introduced but that was introduced as a the following phase of the initiative in 2022.
1: Christine, it was really quite groundbreaking. I mean, just to hear that these conversations have been going on since 2017, quite far ahead of, you know, a lot of this industry and other sports really even thinking about this. What were some of the immediate challenges that the organization faced in considering going in this direction? And then I know a lot of this led to our relationship with Lauren.
2: Yeah. So the the biggest obstacle by far for New York Roadrunners was that there wasn't an existing framework or model in place that we could reference to build our policy around. Um, So the organization moved fairly slowly at the beginning, doing a lot of research and a lot of thought went into those early years, building and developing the strategy and the policies Um, There were assumptions made and tested, but we were truly creating something from scratch back in those early days. Um, In addition, there were just the operational challenges that you would expect, like changes in our IT system, buy-in from internal and external stakeholders, um, but change. Change is always hard and doing something new is always hard, especially when it involves people's identities combined with development of a new policy. Um, And I would say in the summer of 2021, it was clear that we did not have all the internal expertise um, needed to develop, fully develop this gender policy. And that's when we sought out Lauren um, and the work they've done in this space.
1: And Lauren, we can't thank you enough for the role you've played in helping New York Roadrunners get up and running with this and continue as we iterate on this policy. Before we get into your work with New York Roadrunners, can you talk a bit about your background and what led you to found your company, April House Inc., with uh, your, your slogan, Beyond the Binary?
0: In hindsight, I can say that my journey to founding April House Inc. really started at a young age. I've always loved sports and even went on to become a Division One athlete, yet I grappled with the limitations of a traditional binary understanding of gender. And this experience gave me firsthand account of the gaps in sport as well as society that existed for people like myself who identify outside the gender binary. So I've now spent over a decade on the forefront of advancing non-binary and transgender change from you know, producing an award-winning documentary. We exist beyond the binary, which is available for rent and buy on Amazon. Um, but also to you know, writing curriculum for schools and universities, working with Olympic and Paralympic athletes and their agents, as well as major brands, races, and of course, you know, organizations like New York New York Roadrunners. Throughout my career, you know, this expression beyond the binary has stuck with me because it embodies the singular mission you know, it's not just a slogan for me, it's a call to action. And my work with New York Road Runners has been incredibly rewarding because it's a piece of that larger puzzle that we are all building together. You know, a world where beyond the binary isn't just a slogan or a saying or an expression, it's a lived reality.
1: Lauren, we often talk about running as this incredibly accessible sport, right? We talk about it as being the easiest sport to get into, right? All you need is a pair of shoes and step outside your door and there you go. That's kind of how we like to think of the sport. When it comes to this issue, why do you think it has been so important for New York road runners and other organizations to make it accessible in this way as well by introducing a non-binary division?
0: That's a great question. You know, this sport is so accessible. And I think one of the common terms that we hear about this sport is, you know, running is the great equalizer. And, you know, if I could put on my educator hat for a bit, I like to offer a different perspective because, you know, while sport historically uh, has tremendous accessibility, um, And has been, you know, talked about as the great equalizer, which carries a certain weight. those who are on the social and cultural margins of the sport and society may argue that, you know, this is more of a myth than a universal experience. And this particularly rings true for gender diverse athletes like myself, who historically have faced exclusion from both sport and society we're only at the starting line of just dismantling systemic in- inequities and paving new inclusive pathways. So what is really inspiring and promising for me is how this sport in recent history and recent years uh, has undoubtedly diversified across the board. And as you mentioned, it's accessibility or you know, low barrier to entry compared to other sports and even team sports Is a key factor in making it perfect for championing non binary participation because, at its core, you know, so many people can just pick it up and do it. Um, And so, you know, just to tie that all back, I truly believe that, you know, running as the great equalizer, although that label might not be universally applied yet, the trends of growing diversity and equity in this sport are so exciting and it really can live up to that ideal.
1: All right. So New York Roadrunners introduces the non-binary division in 2022, Lauren, what was your immediate impression of it? What was the impact that you saw from New York Roadrunners taking this step and introducing this for the first time that year?
0: Oh, Great question. I. I I think we need to take a look at the big picture first. Now, the impact of New York Roadrunners' you know decision to in, introduce a non-binary division it was seismic to the running world, and especially for non-binary runners. You know, personally, it felt deeply moving on so many levels from my you know both professional and athletic and personal career. Right, um, and I was just speaking with a notable runner and friend of New York Roadrunners last week. And she was saying to me, you know, I never thought we'd see such positive shifts in our lifetime. And that sentiment right there is the true measure of impact. Um, Now, looking at and and talking more about the nuts and bolts and, you know, procedurally year one and and its impact on racing and non-binary participation, year one was really about proactively and aggressively assessing and addressing the needs for inclusivity and meeting the moment where we were at, which is and was the very beginning. We identified key areas of immediate intervention, like, you know, updating registration forms as well as results, uh, the importance of incorporating more inclusivity trainings for staff, and building a roadmap to achieve short-term and long-term implementation goals. And this involved you know, audits of all NYRR programs, events, and internal policies, as Christine mentioned, Uh, To begin to create this environment of beyond the binary from the inside out, which would help inform what, why, how we think and do things moving forward.
1: So much I can imagine that had to go into that period, Christine, having worked at Roadrunners now for just over a year and seeing how complex a change like that must have been that first year, 2022, from your point of view, in the operational side of things, what went well? What what didn't go well? What were the, the clear kind of wins and then the challenges and changes that was clear would need to be made going forward from that first year?
2: Yeah. So um, I think most importantly, and first and most importantly, is um, we the, the biggest success was that the non-binary community felt seen and were finally able to run as the gender in which they identified. Um, And this was hugely important to New York Roadrunners' inclusivity efforts in general. Um, On the other hand, we learned that, you know, creating policy and making change, as I mentioned earlier, is is hard. Um, And so... Whenever you make new policy, it gets pressure tested along the way, um, and so we've we've learned a lot through through this process.
1: And let's talk just about the prize money side for a second, Christine. So that first year there was prize money available, which was a big part of the 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 story. The the fact that Roadrunners was leading the way and offering prize money for this category in two thousand twenty two. How did that go? And then what changes did the organization think about making for the following year, 2023?
2: Yeah, maybe it's helpful if I just take a little bit of a step back for those who aren't intimately familiar with New York Roadrunners and our race structure and prize money structure. So New York Roadrunners has over 40 races per year. And we offer prize money at approximately 17 of those 40 races, right? Some years it's a few more, some years it's a few less. It sort of depends on the race calendar. But say 17 races have prize money. Um, we offer prize money to professional athletes at five of those 17. So we have a team that recruits a professional athlete field. And at those five races, we offer both sort of professional um, prize money as well as what we call New York Roadrunner prize money. For the TCS New York City Marathon, the member prize money has always included some requirements. Um, So the requirements of finishing six New York Roadrunner races during the prior year, in addition to having that active membership. Um, So fast forward to 2022, when we introduced non-binary prize money, we aligned the structure in general um, with our member prize money money offering, whereby runners were required to have been active paying members of New York Roadrunners for a period of time prior to the race. However, for the 2022 TCS New York City Marathon, we opted to offer this prize money without the membership requirement. So a lot of nuances to the prize money structure that's quite complex, but That was the decision we made in 2022, offer non-binary prize money in that first year without any sort of member uh, requirement. Um, Unfortunately, the prize money structure in 2022 created some challenges. And as I mentioned, we always get pressure tested when things go live. And and in this case, it uh, was certainly pressure tested. So A, it created misalignment with the professional prize money purse and the standards required to be met in the open professional division of our sport. And then secondly, there was some misalignment with the member prize money requirements for men and women. Um, so in 2023, we took a step back and said, we're going to make a decision to align non-binary prize money with the men's and women's prize money, money structure. Um, I guess another point that I'd love to make here is that historically, in terms of timeline of communication, we have communicated the year's prize money structure, including eligibility requirements, the size of the purse in either April or May of any given year. Um, After our fiscal year budgets have been confirmed and approved. Um, We work on a fiscal year of April through March. So this has meant that uh, registration has already opened for many of that year's races. So once the prize money and eligibility requirements have been approved, we update the prize money details on each individual race page. Um, So that's a little bit of the detailed and nuanced history of prize money in general, prize money learnings in 2022 for non-binary, how we adjusted in 2023, and sort of the timeline for prize money communication.
1: So the decision to put prize money fully aligned with the, the New York Roadrunner member prize pool made for 2023, Christine, really was essentially trying to make this as aligned and as fair as it could be for everyone, right? For the non-binary runners, for the men and the women, the members, the non-members, right? A lot of uh, of, of you know folks you're trying to weigh here and try to create this this uh, egalitarianism across the board. So that was the adjustment, really the main adjustment that was made for 2023. That's right. Right, and that that always included this uh, requirement to run the six races and essentially to meet the requirements that were were really appropriate for a, a division that was really for members of, of Roadrunners. Uh, a lot of them being local and running a lot of our races. Lauren, you know, as we talk about this, you know, we haven't mentioned yet the the broader framework of the sport governing bodies that New York Roadrunners operates within. You know, we of course are not operating on an island. We are part of a much lar- larger sports ecosystem. You know, as a running organization, there's World Athletics, which is the world governing body. There's US Track and Field, which is the national governing body. There are the governing bodies that uh, handle drug testing and doping control, such as uh, USADA in the United States, WADA, which is the world agency. So, New York Roadrunners is doing all this, and really kind of out on a limb in a lot of ways, right? Because there's there's no Regulation, there are no rules, there's no foundation that exists out there to guide the way as Roadrunners has gone about doing all these things.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, Christine, your context and background there was so important to this conversation. And uh, when we talk about policy more broadly, policies are essential to sport because they maintain the integrity of sport. They maintain the integrity of competition, and they even help sport evolve over time you know, by confronting and re-examining the status quo, which is part of the conversation and, and I think the, the lineage and history of the development of this non-binary uh, division. I'm a firm believer that all policies and processes can and should be continually re-examined to support the growth of sport, and we've seen this happen across almost all sports. And I think that all policies and processes should be continually you know, re-examined because diversity, equity, and inclusion are not static, right? They're both active and, and dynamic. When talking about race policies, you know, I like to remind people to take a step back. And as you mentioned, Rob, you know, really recognize the role and importance that governing bodies have. And today there's no governing body in sport from world athletics to USA track and field or any national, you know, go- uh, governing body to an international federation that currently recognizes a non-binary category. So this has a systemic impact and at times presents significant inclusivity and equitability challenges and complexities for events like the TCS New York City Marathon trying to push the sport forward. With the absence of recognition, clear guidelines, or policies at this governing level, non-binary participation really does remain an often unchartered evolutionary work in progress at the organizational level, as you mentioned, Rob. You know, in other words, we're charting our own path and evolving how we do it at the same time, which is no small feat. It's a really large undertaking. And so while New York Roadrunners and others alike strive for greater equitability uh, and inclusivity opportunities for non-binary athletes within these sets of limitations, uh, for me, in my position, uh, it's crucial for people to be able to distinguish that these limitations are imposed by outdated and restrictive policies at the governing body level. And not by New York Roadrunners or others well-intended efforts to drive change under tremendous headwinds.
1: Absolutely, it's um, just a, a really complicated landscape. No question, not just for New York Roadrunners, but for everybody operating in in this space—a space that we, you know, we see Lauren has become such a a, a a lightning rod for controversy. You know, you see it in the political dialogue. Uh, it's being bandied about in so many ways for all kinds of different agendas, right? And so this is the landscape in which we're living in. Lauren, you know, we we're all aware at this point of some you know some unhappiness that we've had recently with uh, New York Roadrunners policy. Cal Calamia uh, finished first in the non-binary division in the two thousand twenty-three TCS New York City Marathon who we actually had as a guest on the Set the Pace podcast a couple of weeks later, um, Cal finished first, but w- later learned that they were not eligible for the prize money because they had not met the New York Roadrunners standard that Christine mentioned earlier of having been a member for six months, with, which Cal was, but also having run six races uh, in that period of time required, which Cal had not. And so Cal has 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 been vocal, and you know we understand it. Everybody um, who performs well and thinks they're going to win prize money can understand the disappointment of finding out that they're not going to. What has your reaction been? As you know, this conversation really has uh, taken on uh, a new energy because of Cal's feelings about what happened in New York last year.
0: Yeah, look, let's make one thing clear. The TCS New York City Marathon was and remains the only major marathon to offer prize money to non-binary athletes. And that's equal prize money. So, you know, I don't want that to go unnoticed. And we're still very much at the beginning of this. Now, personally, as a leader in this space, I see accountability as a two-way and feel responsible for addressing some of this discourse that you've mentioned surrounding non-binary prize money at the TCS New York City Marathon, because some of the discourse uh, which we have seen or that I have seen has become unclear or has been incomplete, making it difficult to have accurate, informed, and meaningful discussions on what is truly an important topic. Having conversations, but then also clarity within the discussion are really essential for our progress, particularly when such topics have become, and I'm going to use your your words, Rob, uh, a lightning rod for misinformation. So, you know, firstly, I think it's important when we're talking about, you know, New York City prize money, and particularly in um, this last 2023 TCS New York City Marathon, it's important to distinguish that, you know, there's a difference between the general field athletes and the elite athlete category. And I think that this is important because there has been some confusion around this. Now, these are two distinct categories. Elite athletes, you know, are professional athletes competing under stricter rules and expectations implemented by international governments governance, which is World Athletics, and, you know, reflected in their significant earnings. And the TCS New York City Marathon and other world major marathons do not currently offer a non-binary elite professional field with or without prize money. And again, you know, the current absence of this field rests on the shoulders of world athletics absence, you know, of a recognized non-binary category. So non-binary athletes as Christine has talked about earlier uh, in the general field or in the general field alongside other you know amateur and non-professional athletes And non-binary athletes are subject to the same policies and prize money framework at the TCS New York City Marathon as all athletes in the general level of competition. And the prize money policies applied to all registered non-binary athletes, again, were identical to those for every athlete in the general field across all gender categories. So I just want to emphasize, you know, there were and are no separate or discriminatory policies for non-binary athletes or any particular athlete. And notably, compliant non-binary athletes received prize money consistent with the existing framework. Um, So again, you know, all this being said, I think the clarifications to uh, the TCS New York City Marathon and and prize money are important because the conversation is important, important. And as I mentioned earlier, policies you know, should and can be continually examined because progress is not static and athlete and community feedback are a vital part of the process because it opens up a conversation like this and begins the examination process on how to better serve. And these are all positive things.
1: Thank you, Lauren. And Christine, just to to put a, a point on this, I mean, first of all, we have a relationship with Cal, um, have enjoyed working with Cal. We worked especially closely with Cal uh, in the summer leading up to the marathon when some questions arose about Cal's use of testosterone as part of Cal's gender transition and questions were raised about testosterone as a performance enhancing drug. And the US Anti-Doping Agency reached out to Cal and inquired and there was a process that went underway and we were happy to Work with Cal. Actually, we talked about it in the podcast that Cal was on a few months ago, uh, helping Cal find counsel to go about getting a therapeutic use exemption to use testosterone as part of Cal's gender transition and continue to compete. And we were very happy to play a role in that. Um, so we we know Cal well, and the fact that Cal was not able to receive the prize money is, was simply a function of the rules that were set, Christine. And so to ask the question again, for those who are asking it, why? Why, is, why was Cal's performance subject to this member division set of rules, whereas the performance of the, the man and the woman who won the marathon, the professional athletes, was not subject to any such requirement? Yeah.
2: So... Um so there's important distinction between professional athletes in the open division and members who win prize money. And they're subject, those two groups are really subject to different requirements um, through world athletics and through the USATF. Um, most important of which is to ensure that the professional athletes are competing on a level playing field. So the Drug testing requirements are very stringent um, through USADA, which is the anti-doping agency for our sport. And um, it is really important that there is transparency and that there is um, a knowledge for those professional athletes that they're competing against others on a fair playing field. Our member division prize money is just not subject to that same level of scrutiny. We certainly hope that everyone is competing fairly at that level, but it's impractical for us to apply the same standards and the same level of scrutiny to our member division as we do to our professional uh, division. So that may evolve over time, um, but it has Um, always been the case that the professional field is subject to a higher level of standard.
1: And that, Christine, is why you see someone like Nikki Hiltz, who, uh, a well-known professional runner who uh, identifies as non-binary, Nikki competes professionally in the women's field.
2: That's right. So so New York Roadrunners follows guidelines set forth by our governing body. So in our case, World Athletics and USA Track and Field. Just like New York Roadrunners and other race organizers, professional athletes also are subject to those same guidelines that are put in place by those governing bodies. So Nikki Hiltz, the American record holder in the mile, is subject to the rules of World Athletics, and USATF. So we can make some decisions independent of these governing bodies, for example, for member prize money and the structure of that, but we are beholden to them when it comes to requirements
0: of the professional fields in our sport. And if I may interject here, Nikki Hiltz this weekend also became the American record holder in the uh, the 1K. So we're looking at back-to-back uh, American records here, and, and Christine, you you raise a good point because you know while we work to drive uh, I- inclusivity and equity from the the ground up for non-binary athletes, uh, there's also athletes like Nikki Hilt who is competing on the world stage and wearing Team USA across their chest and uh, has the ability to you know really go out and set these records. And part of that is due to being able to be compliant with uh, the policies of the governing bodies. And so that is an important part of the consideration. And I would say, you know, eight sided uh, Rubik's cube that we're dealing with is, you know, not losing sight of the fact that there are some amazing athletes out there who may identify outside of the the gender binary, uh, but who also want to go and represent their country and want to go to the Olympic and Paralympic Games or want to go to world championships. And it's making sure that we are building a pathway for them to do that, that they are are compliant, that we are not setting them up uh, to potentially be disqualified. um, And while at the same time, recognizing uh, their core identity and and who they
1: are. Thank you, Lauren. Great, great point. And and that really is quite uh, illustrative, what you see Nikki doing and doing very successfully as well as a competitive runner. And Christine, this is only one part of so many things that New York Roadrunners is doing to ensure diversity, equity, inclusion, allowing people in the running community to run with space to be themselves, run as themselves. Can you talk a little bit about the broader work that's been done at New York Roadrunners in this area and what runners can look forward to in the future?
2: Sure. Yeah. So New York Roadrunners is incredibly proud of the work that we've done over the last few years in the diversity, equity, and social responsibility space. Um, And the sort of non-gender equity space, I would say we've... From uh, lactation support for new mothers to land acknowledgements where our races are run to major sustainability initiatives, Um, our organization believes that we have a responsibility to be a good citizen in New York City and beyond. Um, We've done this with an incredibly strong internal team committed to these changes and also together with external resources and experts such as Lauren. Um, specifically in the gender equity space, I'd say you referenced some of the work we did this past summer together with Cal Calamia in um, working with USADA. You know, we've worked really closely with USADA, which I mentioned is the anti-doping agency of our sport, to encourage the inclusion of non-binary gender option on USADA forms and applications. Um, as well as advocating for therapeutic use exemptions, exemptions known as TUEs, uh, for gender-affirming care for trans athletes. Um, these are hard conversations. These are areas where change is hard, um, but we will continue to advocate strongly for these changes in our sport uh, this year and in the years to come.
1: Lauren, you know, as a someone who's been a fan of the organization before I joined now in my short time as CEO, it has been remarkable to see how much has happened. You, you said it before, so far, so quickly, right? How much has happened in such a short amount of time? What has it meant for you to, to be able to see how many people have been able to take advantage and benefit from these kinds of offerings and to see more and more members of the non-binary you know community coming out and and running in our events as their true selves
0: you know just hearing you ask me that question gives me chills it, it takes me back to over a decade ago where I made a decision to not register for races because of how difficult it was for me to, navigate in that space and really making this commitment to myself that this is what i'm going to now work towards and and fight for so uh to be here and for you to even ask me that question is still hard for my mind to wrap around because of how much progress uh in in what we've been able to do uh, so quickly in such a short amount of time now i've said from the start and as cheesy and corny as it may sound, and I know you've all heard me say it, that if you build it, they will run. And the rapid growth of non-binary athletes at New York Roadrunners events is not surprising. And especially being a New York Roadrunner myself and a part of the community, I I am not surprised to see people show up. And this really is a testament to the power of inclusivity. You know, we've always been here. But now, as Christine has talked about, we are seen, heard, and recognized. And that is so important. And our participation in the sport and all sports is, is really at the beginning and history in the making. And this consistent year-over-year growth shows that New York Roadrunners and its partners, you know, despite the inevitable bumps in the road, we're on the right track. And literally redefining the landscape of of running and, and hopefully the sporting world at large. And I was, you know, recently on a run, and I had this powerful thought: yeah, I, I belong to a generation that saw the internet and smartphones and global connection rise from scratch, and I know a world without them, and now I can't imagine a life otherwise. And there are kids alive today who will never know of a time when New York Roadrunners and now countless races didn't welcome non-binary athletes. Uh, We will remember that time. I certainly will remember that struggle. And that memory should fuel all of us to continue forging ahead to create a world where these kids never have to experience anything different or know anything different. And this is particularly true and important in today's challenging sociopolitical climate.
1: And Lauren, it's not just running, right? I mean, this is an issue, of course, across just about every sport. And I know you work across other sports as well. We're, we're talking about what we're doing at New York Roadrunners, but what are you seeing in other sports beyond running in terms of efforts to create this level of inclusivity and get rid of some of the, the stereotypical arguments that we see being made about, you know, people competing and trying to, you know what, what some would argue, you know, take advantage of or disadvantage female athletes.
0: Yes. And this is a great question. And it's in an important question because the sports world more largely has been put on notice and largely because the athletes are changing right? We are much more diverse um, and have far more uh, diverse representative of of who we are than ever before. And what I have seen is a really a groundswell of support for gender diverse athletes and and non-binary inclusion across so many sports, uh, which has risen, I think, largely in part to running's impact and and leadership. And, And it's inspiring. You know, I talk to race directors uh, players' associations, organizers, and athletes, you know, every day who are passionate about this change and eager to be a part of it. Um, there's even more widespread understanding about what we are doing and the enthusiasm behind it, which, you know, signals to me a promising future for gender diverse athletes in this sport. Now, as we talked about, you know, this is an eight sided Rubik's Cube, uh, so it requires a lot of thought, a lot of mindfulness um, and and putting together some very complex puzzle pieces to make it all work in a meaningful way. And speaking to our last sport, you know, or to our last point, specifically in this sport, the growing participation numbers, you know, have caught the attention of industry leaders. And what we are seeing uh, is some positive changes is, you know, we are, now looking at five out of six world major marathons that offer non-binary categories, again, with the TCS New York City Marathon leading the way by being the first major marathon to enact a non-binary division, and still the only world major to uh, to offer prize money and equal prize money to non-binary athletes. And it's not just about these big races. There's you know hundreds of smaller races across the country incorporating basic levels of non binary participation, including youth. So all that being said is in just a few short years, you know, running has really transformed into the most populous sport for non-binary athletes, but it has a ripple effect and it is transforming sport more broadly as there are more and more leagues uh, from the youth all the way up to the professional level looking to incorporate more inclusive and expansive guidelines to support this next generation of athletes. And this is a testament to, you know, this sport's inherent accessibility for being a leader and driving that change. Um, But it's also a testament to the transformative potential of sport. And, you know, if I can put you two on blast, you know, to thank you, it's the dedication of countless individuals like you both and the New York Roadrunners team um, who are actively working to make this sport and really all sports uh, a place where everyone belongs.
1: Thank you for that, Lauren. That's that's the best kind of blast to be put on. So we'll take that. Thank you very much. And you, you said it, it's, it's really been a team effort. I mean, I, I, I just got here, right? So I'm just really catching up to speed with all this, but so many people at New York Roadrunners and I want to give credit to my predecessor, Karen Hempel, who really led this effort, uh, Erica Edwards-O'Neill, our Senior Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, Sam Grotwald, our Head of Pro Athletes. Uh, so many people uh, have really played a role uh, in this, Amira Shah, our General Counsel, among many others. So, you know, Christine, as we kind of close out this conversation, I think it's fair to say that we probably even now don't have this perfect, right? I mean, there's there's no way to believe that we've nailed it now. Um, th- this is always going to be an iterative process. And I think we should probably let folks at least settle in with the expectation that come on this journey with us, right? We're, we're trying to get this right. We'll probably make changes as we go, um, adjust as as things change, as uh, both above us at the world governing body level, and then within our own community, you know, we, we'll just keep trying to get closer and closer to perfect, without necessarily knowing if we'll ever exactly get there.
2: Yeah, Robbie, you're exactly right. I think that progress is our goal, and progress is not going to be perfect um, this year or in coming years. But we will continue to iterate, and our strong intention. And our goal is to get better every step of the way. And we have an incredibly strong commitment inside the organization to continue to make progress.
1: All right, Christine, thank you so much. Great explanation and great insights as to how this is all played out. So thank you for coming on. And Lauren, again, thank you so much on behalf of New York Roadrunners for your guidance on all of this. Uh, it's been so complex, and there's no way we could have done any of this without you and your wisdom, your insight, the work you've done on all of this. So thank you both very much.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Lauren.
1: All right. And that does it for this special episode of Set the Pace. I'm heading down to Running USA in Orlando this week along with a number of our staff members. We look forward to continuing these conversations with the running community and of course that brings us back to our regularly scheduled programming this Thursday. Don't miss it. We'll be dropping an all-marathon Olympic trials episode featuring an incredible athlete who will be making her debut at the 26.2 mile distance in Orlando and one of our own New York Roadrunners members who's running her second Olympic marathon trials at the age of 46 years old. We're talking about Jenny Simpson and Roberta Groner. Both will be joining us. It'll be a great episode. Can't wait for that. And remember, if you like this episode, please go ahead and subscribe, rate it, leave a comment for the show on whatever platform you're listening on. This helps us. It also helps others find out about the show too. I'm Rob Similcare. I'll be back with Meb this Thursday. Thanks for joining.